Hello everyone, and welcome to the Red Dwarf Introcast, where longtime fans and newbies alike talk about Red Dwarf, episode by episode. Uh, this week, uh, we are going to talk about Season 12, Episode 3, uh, Time Wave. Time Wave. Uh, but first, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. All right, and let's just dive right into this one. So, uh, uh, what did everybody think? It, it sucked! sucked. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, that's about it for this week. So uh, be sure and listen to us next week as we... Okay, okay, okay. We can't do that. Um, so we, we, we're going to have to talk about this episode. And it was a bit of a rough one, if we're honest. So just for this episode, new rule, no criticism. This this is a new rule. Yeah. I mean, we're, we don't want another backward situation here. So you, you good with that, Shane? Just... Okay. Okay. All positive okay. things. So. I don't know. This is gonna be really hard. No, no, we got this. So, okay. Um, okay. Hey, um, did everybody uh, notice how sparkly Cat's red velvet outfit was? Yeah, really I mean, nice. That was a great outfit. Also, yeah. the plot yeah. was not based on filming naked women without their consent. This is true. There is no. That's true. Very, very, not, that's very, very true. Not cried <laughs> TV again. Um, mm, so. Yeah. The theme music was good. Oh yes, it's really yeah. catchy. It's classic. Like the mm -hmm. the way they had it the, at the beginning, and then they added lyrics to it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, pretty good job on makeup for Rimmer's inner critic. I yeah, guess. he had, like had the squinty eye thing going. Yeah, we we've been wondering about him. Yeah. Well, that's about it for this week. Uh, be sure and check our Facebook group for more. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, that philosophy might be flawed. So we're just going to have to talk about this episode for realsies. Um, okay, okay. We can do this. Yeah, we can. I have faith in us. Um, all right. So let's see. Uh, Shane, did you happen to have the actual uh, synopsis of this episode? I I do, I do, I do. Um, after the crew discover, name, and take soil samples from a Helium 7 rich moon, planet Rimmer, Starberg is hit by a time wave, bringing them into contact with a 24th century ship, the SS Enonium. There, there are two problems. The ship is set on a collision course with planet Rimmer, and upon the ship, all forms of criticism are punishable by life imprisonment or draining. Yep. So, mm -hmm. rewinding a bit, when we saw that title Time Wave, uh, our, we were, oh, our, our hopes were so high. We were thinking it's going to be a future Echoes thing, there's going to be lots of time travel shenanigans. Like time slides kind of stuff, maybe. And, uh. no. The, the time wave didn't matter. No, like it was time, it was a MacGuffin. It was just you know. It could have been like the the moon is going. Well, the moon was going to explode, but it was just going to be, you know, uh, something bad will happen. We don't have to explain it, but the bad thing will happen. Yeah. <sighs> so all of our super excited predictions from last week, and yeah. they sort of came to naught here. We were let nope. down, you guys. So bitter. Um, so helium seven. Now I um, am not a science whiz, but I'm really thinking helium seven would have to be impossible. 
Like, helium is the most basic of, of the noble gases, and, like, helium-2 is, like, the one of the most stable elements there is. You would be stressing to get helium-3. I don't understand how helium-7 would work. So, if anybody out there is listening knows something about science and could explain to me helium-7, that would I be do. awesome. Oh, go for it. I do. Uh, I've, I took about five seconds of wikipedia this. But apparently, helium-7 um, emits a beta particle as well as a gamma ray. The most widely studied helium isotope is actually helium-8. Helium-7 and helium-8 are hyperfragments and are created in certain nuclear reactions. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I was thinking. To get that kind of element, you would have to... Yeah, it would be, like, in the middle of, of a nuclear reaction, just not, mm. like, laying around stable on a moon. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe on Planet Rimmer, anything is possible. There you go. Mm-hmm. But but that aside, the science aside, let's look at it narratively. Okay. So the, times, the time wave we know doesn't matter. I don't know why they used it as an episode title. Doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. But let's say Rimmer, his plan is to get something really valuable... And just in case they might happen to show up on Earth during their time, he's going to get a finder's fee, and he would like to risk his life to do that. He's never Mm -hmm. really expressed any interest in going back to Earth. In fact, he's a bit worried about going back to Earth during that time because then there would be no use for him anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, has he forgotten that he's literally existing just to serve as entertainment for Lister? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> mm. I don't know. It's a bit weak. Set up a couple of funny jokes, but... Yeah. Um. Let's see. So we get Rimmer, of course, naming the moon Rimmer and naming... The sun nearby, Sunny river, and yeah, yeah. um, that's very imperialist of him, very on brand. It is, it is, um, and so that you know, it's it's the usual kind of setup, and then we find out, oh no, there's going to be this time wave, uh, and then we get um, the ship coming. Uh, I would draw attention to it's funny how often we reference Doctor Who and then they oh don't talk about Doctor Who this is a Red Dwarf podcast and then they decide yeah. to describe it as a big wibbly wobbly tidal wave thing mm-hmm. wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing okay but did the ship come out of the time wave like why was the ship there were they saying that that the time wave brought them the ship. I don't think they ever uh, specifically said that. It meant that, that, that. That's what the implication I got, anyway. Okay. Okay. I kind of missed that. But then... It, it, it was a 24th century ship, and that's 3 yeah. million years into the future, so... Yeah. I just thought that they had lived and propagated on that ship forever and ever, and that's why... Their society was so weird. Yeah, yeah, their society did the no-criticism thing, and that became part of the culture. But, mm. yeah. I okay. don't know, that that was kind of weak. So, let's see. Um, yeah, they find out that the Enconium is on a crash course. They're going to go on board and tell them not to destroy Planet Rimmer, the most 
valuable and special of all planets. Then they spend mm-hmm. a long time explaining the setup for the ship that they're going to go see. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is criticism is illegal because it creates dopamine and do- dopamine makes you happy. Although a lot of things create dopamine. Like, yeah. dopamine is not. So why would they pick on criticism? Because it worked for the plot. I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, in, in, I uh, use the time I, loosely. Most of the episode, they had a live studio audience there. However, majority of these um, thing was, was, was done where the audience couldn't see them. So they were doing it but they were doing it live, but they had it on the monitors. So after a roughly seven PM start, it wasn't until nine fifty that a film was actually filmed in front of the audience. And filming went on to about eleven o'clock. Uh. That must have been a grumpy audience. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, well, they wouldn't have left either way. Um <laughs> Well Well following up with that actually they had a um they had a, a, the warm-up man uh, was uh, James Farmer, and of course, with any sort of warm-up man, you can have to deal with hackers. However, um, there was actually um, there was a few shocking outbursts hackers, which uh, which bordered on the disgrace for them, a totally unacceptable recording of this show or any other. Wow. Hmm. Well, I get the impression that even for the weaker episodes, then being in a live audience is really special, and like, even you know, weak performances will get a good laugh. But mm. yeah, hecklers are just jerks. They're they're there to steal the show when people just want to see the show. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a shame. Uh, yeah. Was uh, I did enjoy hearing a bit about uh, Saint Trembles, mm-hmm. although I do kind of wonder, like, does this contradict what we knew of Rimmer's schooling before? Like, this seems like a new thing, and I don't know. If not, though, does this mean that his um, bronze swimming certificate came at a school where they give awards for literally everything? <laughs> it wasn't. A, a school where they give like gold swimming certificates to everyone, except he did so badly <laughs> that he got the bronze. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I get the impression that Rimmer got shuffled around to different schools a lot, yeah. which yeah. was part of the reason why he, you know, because if you're having to move into different circumstances, then you don't really make connections all that well, and. Uh, mm you can be more socially awkward and like he wasn't making the connections or networking like he saw other people doing and he wasn't sure why so yeah i don't know maybe it works it was cute anyway yeah yeah um some nice bits there uh, i liked the uh, the flute guy yeah, he was fun. He actually yeah. played the flute fairly well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an awkward performance, but like he could play the flute. Also, yeah. uh, them making fun of the piece of art from like the 34-year-old man. That's about 
the kind of art that I could produce at 34 now. I'm not a drawer. Uh, let's see. They talk to the weird guys. Oh, did you have something, Jay? No, 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 no. I was, uh-huh. I was going to, I was going to talk about Gaston that's coming up. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. So, yeah, they talk to the weird guys. They go to the diner uh, for the second time this season. Uh, we get the term "love spuds." Um, I guess they just fell in love with that term in the writers' room. Yeah, uh, forgetting. Did anybody, that... did anybody recognize the waitress? Nope. I did not. No. Are you Game of Thrones fans? Yeah, well, we are. We've watched it. Yeah. Uh, that was play. And I'm, I'm gonna. I am gonna butcher this name. That was um, at, at Mira and Katya. Okay, who did she play on Game of Thrones? Uh, she played Eri. A-W-R-I. Huh. I'll be looking that up while y'all talk. Yeah, I'm not even quite sure of who that character is. I would have to... There's so many characters on Game of Thrones. They just keep getting killed off and replaced. Um, or occasionally they're Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran starring as Ed Sheeran. <laughs> um, let's see. So they criticize a bit, but uh, the the copper calls them on it. Um, <laughs> and they got a skedaddle. But of course, Cat, in typical Cat fashion, gets them thrown into jail. Yes. With, I'm sorry, but a cruder joke than... Red Dwarf tends to do... That was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the tits joke. Yeah, that one threw me. Like, they're usually... You know, when they're coming up with random insults and whatnot, you know, sometimes they do go a bit blue, but they're always really witty, but just out of the blue, the the boob joke there... I don't know. That It seemed like they were just going for blue for the sake of getting a laugh when it really wasn't all that witty. Mm. So yeah, and then in a nice timely reference, we get some <laughs> some Hannibal Lecter motif there because everybody remembers that movie. Um, yeah, I should put, I should say you yeah. you won't know you won't know him, but the uh, cop mm-hmm. was paid by Johnny Vegas. Johnny Vegas over here is a uh, famous meat. Oh sorry, oh, I'm going to put this in the verge co- quotes because I can't stand the guy, and that's going to get some hate. Aww. So he's a quote comedian. Yeah. Over here. I um, thought I, I had maybe recognized him. Like, d- does he do a lot of uh, character parts like this? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I think the most... I'm trying to think the what you would recognize him in. Um, I'm just going through... There's actually nothing in here that, that you'd recognize him from, actually. Okay. Or the thought. Okay, and Angela has looked up here. So yeah, Erie was was one of uh, uh, Daenerys's Dothraki gal pals. So mm. that's cool. Just gals being pals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so they're stuck in this cell, and so we get the purpose of the very long helium seven setup. It's that Crichton yeah. is going to use it to make an explosive. However, I have to point out here that if they're in a cell and they needed a way out. There was a lot of space in between those bars, and um, they could have easily deactivated Rimmer's light beam, put it on the other side, and reactivated it. Did they just occasionally forget that Rimmer's a hologram? I mean, I know the writers know, because he was standing on the moon without a spaceship, a spacesuit, yeah. but, but, but 
they were in the cell, and he's a light bee, and it's not that big, and they could... Anyway. I mean... If you've got a hologram, walk through some jail walls. Of course, maybe they were afraid that Rimmer would just be like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Do an every man for himself thing. Yes. But they don't. They get out. And then they face the cop again, and he finds the joy of criticism. Yeah. Whew, this episode. This episode, though. (laughs) It just, okay. It just plods along, doesn't it? And then they do the bit with the criticism, and yes, once again, Rimmer's mental problems um, save the day. I mean... (laughs) I guess the strongest part of this episode would be the inner critic section. And mm-hmm. they they do have some fun, like, overloading the criticism. And uh, Chris Berry, of course, turns in a good performance there. And as we said, the makeup job on the critic was good. And they do make some mm-hmm. nice callbacks to Rimmer's past. Yeah. His, his brother, Yvonne Magruder. Um, and that's always good, you know. Spit just... on the wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so some mm. nice some nice continuity there, which is always good for the fans. But yeah, even this scene, yeah. I was kind of expecting to be more over the top, more ridiculous, but mm. just sort of vaguely insulting the thing until it went away. Um, mm. Well, and they've done very similar things. Like, even this season, this felt a lot like the turning everyone into a Crichton scene, where they just go to another ship with a different custom and they all get plugged into the wall to change (laughs) their personality. Um, And couple that with the the Rimmer world thing where his all of his terrible uh, uh, personality traits Mm -hmm. take on uh, anthropomorphic form then sure but, but yeah, they, they've explored the same territory better. Better, in the past. yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the what third or fourth time they've done exactly this. Yeah. Like get get a new format. Find something else to do. Like they've done. Like like the Crichton episode was clever. I thought. Yeah. But this just felt. Bleh. Mm. Um, but Watch it end, be the most beloved one. We're going to get that's, so that's, much hate. Actually, though, no, based on our comments this week, I don't think we're alone in okay. being no. a bit let Whew. down on this one. Um, <laughs> thought it was going to be another backwards incident. So, yeah, they fail to get an <laughs> F- FTL drive, uh, and they make fun of the stupid paint drawing, and then the episode ends on, on a, a sort of a weak gag. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just sort of peters out, uh, as my yeah. attention did long before the episode ended, I'm so sad mm. to say. <laughs> um, there were a few good jokes in this one, but, you know, I think we'll just save those for the quotes. Otherwise um, we won't have any quotes. Otherwise there won't be many quotes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I was, well, first of all, I will stop with the, um, the poor, the Ganymede and Town poor poor results. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Did it get and higher it, or lower than Cryd TV? <laughs> you must you must remember that there's been seventy three episodes so far, so this was number seventy. Okay. I think that's 
That's about Fair. right. Um, which three were worse? Back in the Red Part 3, oh, Pete yeah. Part 1, oh, and yeah. Pete Part 2. Yeah. It's a fair cop. I I probably would have put uh, back in the red a bit higher, but nah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Yeah. I I remember Uh, not caring for Pete. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Crikey TV was 67th. Oh, that is low. That's good. Um, Alright, let's see here. So, speaking of hating this episode, so Phil Baker begins by saying, A fascinatingly bad episode. It all feels so (laughs) wrong. Uh, Having watched it a few more times, I do get some enjoyment from certain scenes, like the man playing the flute. But overall, it's a no from me. So I, of course, responded with Simon Cowell shaking his head and saying, It's a no from me. Um, Mm. Ian Sounds writes, Offensively offensively bad offensively bad and offensively bad yeah offensive bad and offensively bad (laughs) (laughs) um and then we have jonathan young are you yeah i have to squint at your computer here let me let me Uh, blow the text up uh jonathan f young says uh do you heath and angela consider the target here to be californians Evidence being roller skate diners, girls in dresses, having a USA flag, etc. Overconfidence and flamboyance being satirized. And Doug having some experiences in L.A. during the USA Red Dwarf uh, with television executives that couldn't understand L.A. in the 90s discussed. I don't know, to some degree maybe. I mean, there were some American accents. There were, but then there were a lot of American accents in the um, old Red Dwarf cast. Uh, I mean, yeah, there were some U.S. flags in there. um, And I think, yeah, satirizing flamboyance and overconfidence, yeah, maybe maybe a bit there. Um, The roller skates thing, yeah, so that was a thing... Goodness, that's like a 50s thing almost. Yeah, it's a 50s 50s retro. Uh, Mm -hmm. For a long time, um, a restaurant here called Sonic... I don't... There aren't any Sonic drive-ins over there, are there? No. I wouldn't think so, yeah. I don't say the only Sonic we know is a hedgehog. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a restaurant, but it's not like it's a... It's sort of like a 50s... Yeah, you don't like go in and eat. Thing. Like, they have some outside tables, but mainly you just drive your car up to the little speaker and they bring your food to you at the car. And for years, they would have the roller... the servers wear roller skates especially if they were cute girls um they really don't do that as much anymore i'm assuming for insurance purposes but yeah um, safety yeah so yeah maybe a bit of a dig at at the old u.s there but i started to think it was possibly like digs at the whole you know safe spaces and uh you know not letting people take Mm. criticism and all that but I, I didn't think it was quite on the nose as much, so I don't know. I couldn't really get what he was going for, mainly. Um, and then we have Jonathan Young again saying, Overall, there are some funny ideas, uh, quite like Hitchhiker's Golga Frenchin's B arc. Um, a fun cop performance from Johnny. Uh, a great tutting prison man. Yeah, he was he was yeah, he Um a sinister rumor critic, though that's a bit overdone by this late in Red Dwarf history. Yeah. 
the rest is so garish, over-the-top, broad, confusing, and uncertain that the masses have rejected this as the worst red dwarf has ever been. Ironic, really. Ah, but the poll says it's yes, not the worst. It's, it's only the fourth worst episode. Yes. So <laughs> shows how much you don't know it is. That, that is really low. Yes. Uh, Sam Highland says, It's a bit like Rob Grant's novel uh, Incompetence, but not as funny. Before they boarded, the ship was good, and Johnny Vegas put in a great performance in criticism police costume made for a Money Python project that never happened. Ooh. But the subject matter aging badly with current events, it falls even flatter than it would have. Worst in the Dave era. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Greer writes, An episode with too many issues. Every series has to have one that's a bit of a clunker, and this is the clunker of the Dave era. But do they have <laughs> to have a clunker? Like, they usually do. I don't know. Is that a requirement, though? Maybe it's in, it's in the contract. Maybe. <laughs> Five episodes and one sucky episode. Uh, and our last comment comes from Chris Riley, who says, This was a wonderful episode. Such a great plot. The acting was top hole. Top hole? Huh. Uh, I guess. We, is that the same as top notch? I guess. Huh. Yeah. The acting was top hole, classy, and understated. Uh, the costumes, in particular, were subtle and didn't distract from the brilliant jokes. Oh, wait, we are allowed to criticize. <laughs> the premise behind this episode was a potentially good one. You know, you're right about that. I think there there was a good episode to be made here. Yeah, um, Potentially good one, uh, but the execution was truly atrocious, making this as bad an episode of Red Dwarf as there has ever been. Um, thankfully, uh, this isn't in keeping with the rest of Series 12. However, I did enjoy the brief homage to the Heartbeat Art Gallery, which only British viewers of a certain age will have seen. Um, yes, and that, that segues nicely into our quotes there. Yes. Because um, one of the very few uh, good jokes in this episode... Let's see. So everything these guys do, no matter how garbage, gets to go on the wall, just like at St. Trimble's. And the Tate Modern. Chivimmer, so full of gas. That was a pretty good one. I got nothing, guys. The only other one I had, which I liked because it was one for the fans, like we, you know, um, as stand-in senior acting commanding officer of the JMC mining ship Red Dwarf, and protected as I am, under Space Corps Directive 381-286 Crichton Shut Up, I demand <laughs> that you release us all immediately, or at least one of us as a gesture of goodwill, for which I would like to volunteer. Um, yeah, uh, a nice callback to the old uh, Space Corps directives and then Crichton saying the ridiculous thing that it actually was. Yes. Uh, I would have actually liked one of those jokes, but I think this was this was just as good yeah. because all the Red Dwarf fans knew where that was going and they they, mm. they they flipped it, so that was nice. Yeah. Okay, maybe the quote, um, the sex advice, uh, <laughs> just the way he said, uh, I thought he he said spit on the wrist and then said the looks I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Did you have any other ones, Shane? Nope. Yeah. Oh. There just weren't even that many good one-liners. 
Uh, Cat had like two or three I want to kill Rimmers. Um, yeah. None of which were particularly Clever. inventive. Uh, yeah. I Well, I did like, going back to the opening scene, uh, Rimmers' various, um, let's see. It's been what by a what from a what? And, you know, that that was, that was a nice bit. And, and their usual Star Trekian trying to explain a complex space concept with a metaphor. What does a tsunami is caused by... Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, mm-hmm. overall, it's just sort of meh. So, great episode, guys. <laughs> um, oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, <coughs> now we have to rate this sucker. Uh, <laughs> Shane, did you want to kick us off? Uh, well, uh, there's nothing in this episode I could use as a rating system. <laughs> mm. You know. Yeah. I'm actually going to go with something else. And if you can, if anyone can understand this reference, then great. So I'm going to have to go for Steve Carlsberg's out of ten. Steve Carlsberg? <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, if you want to listen to another podcast besides ours, I would highly recommend Welcome to Night Vale, a fascinating horror sci-fi community radio podcast that's just endlessly entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Love? Um, Okay. So back in the day, I gave backwards three of ten. I... I don't think I can go any higher than that, but it had one or two jokes to at least make me not feel terrible while watching it. So I'm going to go um, uh, two out of ten uh, distracting uniform tutus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, Two and a half out of ten tuts. Tut, tut. Um, I don't know, because, well, I guess if a tut is bad, then giving them not many tuts would be good. You know what? I'm going to mm. switch that up <laughs> um, and give it uh, two and a half out of ten um, test tubes of helium-7. Sure. Yeah. No helium-7 for them. So, <sighs> yeah. Um so that's a really, this time, about it for this episode. Is the next one better? Please what, say the next one's better. What's the next episode? The next episode is called Mechocracy. Chrissy. Now that's interesting because See, we've already had... I would have thought that would have been the, the everyone is Crichton yeah. thing. I don't know. Maybe all of the robots and mechs on uh, Red Dwarf are going to start a union? If they do then I demand that Talkie Toaster be the, the union leader. Exactly. We haven't heard from him for forever. That would be a nice callback. Yeah. So there's our theory. Talkie Toaster and the other robots on the Red Dwarf just take over. And Yes. Uh, and Crichton has uh, uh, shifting... Uh, allegiances. Allegiances, yeah. Nice. Done maybe a bit better than his weird flip-flop in the Everyone is Crichton episode. Hmm. But we will see. We will see. I'm confident, at least, that even if this isn't a particularly good episode, that we will enjoy it more than we did this last one. Yes. Um, and it mm. may be a great one. Who knows? Everybody is really speaking highly of season 12. and I know. We 
I mean, one was good. Two, one was okay. Two was was really good. I thought. Yeah. I, and then was three was kind of mer. So I'm 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 still kind of expecting really good things out of these next few. So we'll have to see. Um, all right. Well, until next time, uh, check out our Facebook. Make lots of comments and no criticism. <laughs> Yes, criticism on the Facebook page is now outlawed. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. As long as it is constructive. Um, all right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.